This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca, and it is an honor to talk to the great, the Hall of Famer, Denny Poppin joins us here on the show. It's Don LaGreca on Game Misconduct. Thank you so much for carving up uh, some time on a very busy day. It's been a very busy year for you, but uh, your bobblehead night over at UBS Arena for the Islander game must be pretty exciting. How are you, sir? Well, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to come back to Long Island and looking forward to another great night. And uh, still have that feeling. Like I sure want the New York Islanders to win. Always makes the night better. So where does this rank for you, a bobblehead? I mean, that that's, that's kind of cool, especially, I mean, this is like literally over 30 years since your number was retired. Your number was retired way back in February of 1992, and you fast forward 30 years later, and it must feel right. good to still be very much on the mind of this fan base. You know, I, I think that the, the Islanders have done a great job with focusing on the 50, 50th anniversary of the New York Islanders. I mean, they're giving a lot of credit to a lot of people, all of the alumni. They're always uh, looking to have everybody, even the guys who played only a few games, you know, as part of the Islander alumni. And this is a tribute to the guys who have had their jerseys retired. And the only reason I'm going first is because I have the lowest number and number five. Right. And, of course, Sunday, also going to be here, Don, uh, to uh, celebrate Clark Gillies. And uh, that bobblehead night, you know, a great friend of mine, obviously an incredible teammate. It was, and you know, let's talk about that. Of course, you know, with your brother's passing, with Clark's passing, it just—it was a really difficult year last year for the Islanders on the ice and off the ice. Well, you know, it's brought many of us a lot closer, the alumni, and you know, I've had so many conversations with uh, Brian Trache, who you know, you know, he and Boss were. You know, they were two peas in a pod. I mean, they were together all the time. They would room together and, you know, as close a relationship as you can find. Uh, and that's the thing that really hurts because off the ice, it was even tighter than uh, on the ice. I can certainly say the same thing for my brother, Jean. You know, he was part of the first two Stanley Cups. And, you know, I said many times, I said, I, I just lost my best friend. He was a pillar in my life. And, uh, you know, in the case of Clarkie, again, you know, way too young, way too early. And it happened so quickly in his case. You know, Clarkie was our captain for a while. And, you know, I always felt, you know, he was one of those leaders in the dressing room. We had many captains. So and he certainly was one of them. So uh, overall, I think it's uh, it's been a very sad year. But the Islanders are trying to make it uh, the best possible for all of us to get through it and celebrate 50 years of being in the league. Yeah, it's amazing. 50 years, and you were there. You were drafted in 73, so you're there in the second year, and you got to see all four Stanley Cups. And, and you were away for a while with Ottawa, doing radio, uh, television with them and with the Florida Panthers. But uh, to be able to come back, to, to see a new arena, to, to see the fan base. I always looked at it, Denny, as it, it, it was a fan base in hibernation you know, for a long time because you've got a very strong fan base, but there was so much... You know, with the ownership problems and, and a lot of the losing that after those back-to-back trips to the third round with a brand-new arena, don't don't you feel, don't you sense that there's a rejuvenation around this franchise? No question, Don. It's a coming back. You know, as you mentioned, uh, the, the franchise languished for a few years, uh, and it happens to all franchises. I mean, 
you know, teams uh, teams do very, very well for a number of years, and their top players or key players get a little older. I was just talking to a friend of mine who lives in Chicago, and, you know, they're going through that now, you know, with, with Kane and Taves, and, you know, having won the Stanley Cup three times in six years. Then you have to have this period of time where you're rebuilding, and you do that with young players. And there's nothing more important in the NHL or any pro sport than experience. And I think that's why teams and uh, you know franchises go through these periods. And I think the, uh, the Islanders have gone through it. Uh, more importantly, they've gotten a taste with the current team of what it's like to be in the playoffs. And I think that's where they're headed again this year. I was just going to ask you, what do you think of this team this season? I like the team. Uh, you know, it, it appears as though right now, uh, you know, Lambert, the new coach, has been around a long time. He certainly, uh, you know, learned a lot from Barry Trotch. And the reason I say that is because the defensive part of the game is what's going to win your cups. And I think, and, and playoff series. And I, I do believe that, you know, Lambert as a new coach has not uh, let that slip too much as we go along. But I think we're going to see an increase in offense which is what the Islanders overall appear to have needed. You know, the 2-1 games are going to happen. That's where your defense, again, goaltending has got to be great. But you want to be in those three- and four-goal games more often than not. And if you're doing that, you're going to win a lot. And that hasn't changed. I mean, Billy Smith used to tell us, you guys get me three goals and we're either going to win or tie the game. And I think that matters even today. Yeah, there's no question about that. And and when you watch this sport, and I know you do, is there anybody that plays the blue line that reminds you of yourself? <laughs> well, right now, uh, I had a chance to meet Noah Dobson over the summer in a golf outing in Prince Edward Island, where he comes from. And I was very impressed with the young man. And somebody mentioned his stats. And I guess last year, you know, he started putting up some numbers. And it's not hard to see that he is building on a good offensive season last year. Now, of course, you know, Don, I'm going to be a believer. You've got to have a productive line. <laughs> You've got to have guys in the back line that can score overall. I mean, teams that win Stanley Cups, you know, they've always got, you know, their back liners. And you take a look at Tampa Bay, of course, and, you know, teams before that, you've always got guys that can contribute on the offense. So uh, Noah Dobson to me is one I like to watch. I like to watch him a lot, and I'm going to do that again tonight. Not looking at picking at negative things at all, but just seeing and how maybe he sees the game. Because when you're a defenseman, you pick up your head. The most important thing is that if you've got the puck, you want to be able to see one of your forwards open. That's where Brian Trache was unbelievable. Right. I mean, I could fight. I could fight out three guys in the corner. And if I got a hold of the puck, I had a split second to look up the ice. There was Trotch. He was in a perfect position to get a pass, and then we went on the offense. And I think Noah Dobson is appearing to have some of that in his game, and it'll only get better. You know, I look at the game now, and I I see that you're starting to see, maybe not the offense of the 80s, but you're seeing things open up a lot more. But it's really come at the expense of the physicality of the sport because there's a lot more room to roam. Would you have enjoyed that, or did you like playing in an era where you really had to pay the price for that open space? <laughs> You're talking to me, Don. I would have tried to hit people. <laughs> you know, 
and still today, I think that, uh, you know, you have defense in there that, you know, will take their time. Maybe it's not the bone-crushing hits, but you still have to be able to eliminate the opponent. And I think that even back when I was a kid, we had a great coach, and all he wanted to do was say, look, when you're hitting the opponent in your own zone defensively, hit him in the hand. So basically, hit him in the hands where you come in with your body and you're separating the offensive player from the puck. And that's the defenseman's job. Now, I will tell you, there are a lot of reasons why the game has changed. Mm. But, Don, in 1988, when I retired, 92%, I believe that's a fairly accurate number, 92% of the players in the NHL were Canadian. And in Canada, they you know allowed more physical play and more fighting. Now, Canadians in the NHL, I don't think, are 50%. So the point I'm making is that there are so many more European players that have come into the game playing on a bigger rink and not, you know, not being known to be as physical as the NHL. So that has changed it somewhat. And, of course, putting more emphasis on the skating and passing. And I think that's what we have today. We have, a, obviously, a better game because the world is now producing athletes, great athletes, for the NHL. Of course, uh, Ranger fans know Potvin for a different reason than the four Stanley Cups, and that, of course, is the Potvin sucks chance to go back to uh, the hit on Ulf Nielsen. And you've spun it into a positive with the uh, Potvin socks. Just talk about the origins of that. Well, thanks for bringing that up. I, I And also mentioning it is fun. That was the whole intent of it, um, you know, and – I was able to come up with that line, you know, we've been chanting it for 43 years, now you can wear it. I think it's wonderful. And the response has been phenomenal. Uh, the New York Islanders were great in suggesting that we should have the launch on October 26th when the Rangers come in town. And by the way, the Islanders won the game 3 nothing, so that was a good start. Uh, but it's really started many years ago. I, I, You may remember there was a time I stood in front of the fans at the Coliseum and <clears throat> I said something like Potvin's Cups, and that's what they're really yelling. Well, it morphed into a little bit more than that, but I could never find, you know, that connection, you know, where socks having only changed one letter in the chant, and that's the S-O-C-K-S in the socks, that I could possibly get a Potvin socks made. Well, that connection ended uh, sometime back ring of this year. I met a fellow named James Lyman, a good friend of mine. He's also a manufacturer of a lot of the boxing equipment, which includes socks and T-shirts and shorts. So now I had someone who loved the idea, albeit he's also a Ranger fan, <laughs> uh, loved the idea but thought it was great. And so we've just taken it to the point where, you know, we've manufactured now great socks, I think, a lot of colors, and... Uh, uh, we can make them for any team in the league, really. Uh, the Potvin Sox name, it could become the brand. That would be great. But for the moment, we're really having a good time and a lot of success getting people to come to PotvinSox.com and ordering those socks. And by the way, Don, we're going to have a whole new collection for Christmas oh, and cool. the holiday Oh, that'll be great. You know, you, you think back to that time, and, and listen, you guys hated the Rangers and vice versa going back to the 75 series when you shocked them, and then they returned the favor in 79. So there was always going to be a rival, both geographical and also the real estate of whether it's the Patrick division or now the Metropolitan division. But how much more did that 
situation with with Alfie raise it? Did did it, did it add gasoline to the fire? Did it bring it up a notch higher that 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 is carried on to today? Yes, and you know, listen. If I were a Ranger supporter back then, you know, I would have felt the same way because Wolfie was not in great shape in 1979 after the hit and uh, could not play level four. So, yes, big ability that you know they may have been able to do better against the Montreal Canadiens in '79 and win the Cup. They think what exacerbated the problem, Don, was I was Islanders. In the next four years, we played the Rangers in a playoff series and won each one of the series in the following four years, and we won four cups. So I, I think that th- that had to feel pretty bad, you know, and I, that's kind of what got it started, and that's why 43 years later you're still hearing the chant. All right, Pop and Sox, make sure you load up for them uh, for the Christmas holiday, and also tonight, bobblehead night, as the Nashville Predators come to town to take on the New York Islanders up in, in Belmont. I'm going to try, Denny, to see if I can get you to elaborate on this. I know a lot of people have tried, but is can, can you confirm at all the rumor that Keenan reached out to you in 93 to have you join the New York Rangers? Absolutely, he did. And <laughs> okay. I, thought, I thought about it for a while, but, Don, listen, the first, the first time I sat home in the dark – and did a little bit of meditation, you know, like you would do when you got a serious problem. I went for a rollerblade. That didn't turn out so well. And then I thought to myself, I've been retired six years. This is ridiculous. But Mike Keenan did ask, and uh, I did think about it for a very short while. But I I just couldn't see myself going back into an actual NHL dressing room after being retired for six years. You just can't do it. The game is, is too good for that, and I had mm-hmm. too much respect for myself. If if you were healthy enough and could have done it, would would it have been difficult to put that jersey on? <laughs> That's a great question, and here's why. Mike Keenan mentioned to me that number five was available. Now, at this moment, I can't think of the Swedish player that had worn number five, but I think he had been traded or moved out or something of that nature because, you know, Mike Keenan made a lot of moves that year to try and get the experience on the team that he ended up getting and ended up winning the cup. So he mentioned as a, I guess as a, you know, part of the selling pitch, you could have your number five. And a very, very good friend of mine kind of laughed at it. And I I don't mention his name, but he's sort of involved in hockey. And on the phone, he said to me, Hey, Dennis, he said, you put on that Jersey the New York Ranger jersey, and you could start doing Geritol commercials. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is it. <laughs> that is it. You see me as an old man on the ice, you'll never lose that. And therefore, I told Mike very kindly, I was very, I was, uh, uh, I was honored and, and certainly felt good about the ask, but it just wasn't going to happen. Oh, that, that's amazing stuff. I mean, thank you so much for that story. Thank you so much for giving us so much to watch over the years. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy the season. And I can't wait to catch up with you and be able to shake your hand and see you personally for the first time in, in quite a while. I would look forward to that, too, Don. Thanks very much for having me on your show.
All right, that's the great uh, Hall of Famer, Denny Poffin. Get the socks. Go tonight if there's tickets available for the bobblehead. And 30 years after his number's been retired, uh, what is it, uh, 34 years since the last time he played, 1988 was his last year with the New York Islanders. I remember that well growing up as a Devil fan. The Islanders had won the division that year, and the Rangers beat him in the first round and kind of surprised him. But Poffin was really in and out of the lineup then because of his back and all that. And... uh, uh, it was just fun to watch him and to see him play and, and to be honored and still hold a lot of clout within that organization, even though it's been over three, almost four decades now since the last time he played. But that was a great story because, you know, I had never heard any kind of confirmation about it. I was doing some investigation before I started doing the show today, and I was going to ask him about it. And you hear a lot of places he won't confirm it, he denies it. But uh, to get a little story out of that, can you imagine, Ranger fans, in 1993, Denny Potvin joining your team, wearing the number five, and he would have had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. That's the year the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. That's how how that might have just changed everything for him, for the Ranger fan base, for the rivalry, and how sick, if you're an Islander fan listening to this, would it be to see him win his fifth Stanley Cup with the Rangers wearing number five with the blue shirts? I mean, it would make you sick, but God, that's just an interesting story. It was a lot of fun uh, to talk to him and uh, the bobblehead night. Again, I don't know when you're going to be consuming this podcast, but uh, the bobblehead will be out there and uh just uh, great to talk to him i remember one quick story of course he did the florida panthers with our buddy uh steve goldstein for years but he also before that did television for the ottawa senators because you know, that's where he was from and i remember doing a game up in ottawa years ago and i needed a um i needed an interview for the pregame uh, and that's back when I used to do the pregame and the intermissions and the play-by-play. So I was looking forward to get an interview, and he was nice enough to give me five, six minutes. I was able to play on the pregame, and I got killed on social media. How do you put Dennis Potvin on a Ranger pregame show? So it might be fun with the socks and all that stuff, but a lot of Ranger fans hold a grudge. And if you're new to hockey and don't know the history, you go back to 79, and Ulf Nielsen was one of the Swedish players along with um, – Hedberg to come over and the Rangers were you know using European players when it was relatively new at the time and they were high scores and there was a hit at the boards and, and Ulfie was never the same after that and there was an admission afterward that the Garden Ice probably had more to do with it than the hit and that's when the Pop Ben Suck chant started and it's just so intriguing it's so much fun it still exists today way after uh, your first year, he'll a whistle at Madison Square Garden. The, the chant will start, and I've heard people say they've heard it at Nick games. They've heard it at the circus at the Garden. So it's it, it doesn't have the same cachet it did because it was so many years ago and new fans and hasn't really carried over. And let's face it, the Ranger Islanders uh, rivalry is not what it was back in the day. Uh, we, especially when the Devils came in, they started winning Stanley Cups. That became a huge rival. You know, right now with the Penguins, there's so many other teams to hate along with the Islanders, but it's never going to go away and it's still a lot of fun looking at the games from last night uh, a couple of things that kind of reached out to me devils blow a lead actually they came back they were down two nothing after one scored three unanswered goals tried to hold on to it uh, but uh, they just couldn't generate very much offense and then it really kind of came apart for new jersey late they're holding on to that three two lead 
Uh, and then it was Grantland scoring with 10 seconds left to force overtime. And then uh, Johansson scores 33 seconds in overtime. So really in a span of 43 seconds of play, the Devils went from getting two points to only getting one. So the Devils' uh, three-game winning streak comes to an end. They had one um, 16 of 17 going into the game, whatever it was. They still earn a point, still the most points in the NHL with 39. Uh, but the Devils end up losing to the Predators 4-3. Uh, to three. Uh, Give the Sabres a lot of credit, man. They're scoring a ton of goals. They are. Scored four more last night at home, but the Avalanche starting to warm up here. and They get the job done with a 6-4 to four victory as McKinnon gets five points on the night against Buffalo. Lightning, congratulations to Steven Stamkos, his 1,000th NHL point and a 4-1 victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. Vegas kind of coming back down the earth just a bit as they lose in Pittsburgh uh, to the Penguins. So the Vegas Golden Knights are just four wins in their last 10 games, so they've kind of slowed down. Still first place in the Pacific Division. And the Penguins are starting to put some heat on teams in the Eastern Conference. They've won six of their last 10. They've got points in eight of their last 10. They've taken over the second wild card with 28 points. So the Rangers, who did end their three-game losing streak back on Wednesday in Ottawa, they'll get the Senators again tonight at the Garden. I'll have the call of that one with Dave Maloney. Rangers sitting a point back of Detroit. Detroit has a couple of games in hand. Rangers two points back of Pittsburgh, both with 24 points. So things really tightening up there. Uh, Hurricanes, they had a 6-4 win over the up-and-down St. Louis Blues. So Carolina's won three in a row now after a little bit of a rough start. 4-2-4 in their last 10. They still sit eight points back of the Devils, who are in first place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, As for the St. Louis Blues, as I mentioned, up and down, they had the uh, eight-game losing streak, seven-game winning streak. Now they've all of a sudden lost two in a row, and they are two points out of a playoff spot uh, there. Uh, Panthers beat up on the Canucks by the final score of 5-1 to one as they continue to go out west and try to get their thing going a bit. The Panthers have really been a struggle for them. Uh, just three wins in their last 10, but they do get a big victory then uh, out west. And uh, how about the Kraken now? They just continue to roll, and they're a fun team to watch. We talked about this on the last podcast, too, with Bernares, who what he's been able to do. Um, but they, they're not boring. They're wide open. They can score. They're getting quality goaltending as well. And they now have won seven in a row, 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. They sit in second place uh, in the Pacific Division, just having just a phenomenal year. And I, I think clearly they are a playoff team, no question. The Kings knock off the Coyotes by the Final score of 5-3 to three in that one. Kopitar with a couple of goals for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, so the Kings starting to climb up the standings just a little bit. They're in third place in the Pacific, still 30 points. Uh, they've played the most games, I think, of any team in the NHL, actually. They played 26 games, so that might have a lot to do with the fact that they are in that playoff position. But uh, they are um, trying to get their bearings as well. And they've got uh, a victory over the Coyotes, and this just... It's just really been tough for Arizona now as they have dropped a couple in a row, just three in their last ten. They just continue this obnoxiously long road trip as they wait for the annex to get finished up uh, in Tempe. All right, well, you know what uh, Friday means. Friday always means the top five. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. All right, let's include those Seattle Kraken for the first time in franchise history into the game misconduct top five. Five. 33 points plus 17 goal differential. They win on the road, they win at home, and they've won seven in a row. The Seattle Kraken are number five. 
number four. You know, it's start time to give love to the Dallas Stars. Uh, they're starting to put some things together. Robertson showing that he's no fluke. They've got kid, good kids like Johnston playing well for them. Uh, they have won two in a row. They have points in nine of their last ten games. They're six, one, and three in their last ten. Their plus 27 goal differential sits as the best in the Western Conference. I've got the Dallas Stars at number four. Number three. How about some love to the Toronto Maple Leafs who aren't relying on the same old guys to score goals for them. It's not all about Matthews. It's not all about um, Nylander. What it's really become about is Mitch Marner. It's starting to become his team now, at least this year. 35 points for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the only thing standing in the way of their division title is the Boston Bruins. Toronto has not lost in regulation over their last 10. They're 8-0-2, five consecutive wins. I've got those pesky Toronto Maple Leafs at number three. Number two. Well, number two is going to remain the New Jersey Devils. They did have their winning streak snapped at 13, bounced back and won three in a row. Got to see them live for the first time at the Garden back on Monday. They're impressive. They are all over you. They just have a tremendous amount of speed, but they know how to use it. I mean, they, they move the puck well. They're on top of you. They're relentless. They're getting better goaltending than I think anybody could have imagined with Vanacek. has just been tremendous. Uh, I really enjoy watching them play. Their power play could be a little bit better, but that's really the only negative. And they lost last night, but still earned a point. So when you look at what is it, the last 18 games, the Devils have earned a point in 17 of them, including winning uh, an amazing 16 of those games plus 35 goal differential is second best in the NHL. I still have the Devils for a second consecutive week at number two. Number one. Still the Boston Bruins. Uh, they've been a little bit more human. Two wins in a row, but 9-1-0 and oh in their last 10. Still the only team in the National Hockey League undefeated 13 and 0 at home and away. Oh, 6 and 3. Most teams would take that, but it just it's jarring that uh they're 6 and 3 on the road. Well, they've only played 9 games on the road, lost 3 of them, but that's the only losses that they have all year long and they're only going to get healthier. Plus uh 40 goal differential is the best in the National Hockey League, so I think pretty much for the what the third consecutive week the Boston Bruins stand at number one and deservedly. Who are you so taking at? Yeah, you're not taking anybody out. So Vegas kind of falls out of it there, and I think that's just the way um, it has to be. Quick uh, promotion for me: Greg Rosinski, who does a great job here uh, with ESPN, uh, has got an article up about. Um, I'll show you the tweet. He tweeted this out. I'm going to retweet it if you want to check it out on my timeline. The Devils are the NHL's most exciting team. The Islanders are contending again, and the Rangers were in the conference finalists last season. He's got a column about. Uh, the last time or how often the three teams in the Metropolitan Division have all been good. And he interviewed me uh, in it. So you can read that article. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Um, and he's uh, one of the best writers in the business. Always fun to talk to him. So if you want to check that out, a little self-promotion, I've got that for you. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's read a couple of tweets here before we get out of Dodge. And um, Toady Romo. <laughs> says, outside the Rangers, what other teams do you see making a move for Patrick Kane when the time comes? Well, there'll be some competition for him, uh, but the question is, where does Patrick want to go? And I'm, I'm thinking he's going to want to go to a contender. Would Pittsburgh be involved in something like that? Um, how much would uh, you, you look at the salary cap space? I could, I could think of teams that can use him. The Islanders could probably use him, a little bit more scoring. But all I seem to hear is about the Rangers, so I don't know if that's coming from a place 
so if that's really only where he wants to go. But um, I will kind of put my ear to the ground. I'll be at the Garden tonight to see if there's any kind of rumblings. And, and also, the Rangers are going to be taking on the Blackhawks tomorrow on Saturday. I'm going to have the call of that one, so the Blackhawks will be in town, so it'll be interesting to talk to them. And I'll be in Chicago in a couple of weeks, so hopefully I'll be able to get... Um, some more invitations, uh, information there. Uh, the Ginger Express says, are the Winnipeg Jets a legitimate threat to win the Central Division? What do you see as the biggest difference between this season and last season for them? Well, it's been health, right? That's been probably the biggest thing. Hullabuck also, uh, I didn't think he had the greatest of years last year. Um, that's certainly going to help. Uh, it the, the thing about Winnipeg, and, and, and I, I hear like when – you know, does anybody want to play there? Does anybody want to sign there long term? Are they going to be able to make the deals necessary? But Wheeler's having a really good year. Uh, I I like the team, and I think the Central is wide open enough to believe that they can win the Central. I mean, who are the legit threats in the Central Division? When you take a look at it, Dallas having a very good year, but are they uncatchable right now? Three points back are Winnipeg, but with three games in hand. So Winnipeg certainly very much alive. Colorado, to me, they didn't dig themselves that big of a hole. So obviously Colorado's the team to beat uh, in the Central Division. But I think Winnipeg can play. I think they can. They're they're, they're a terrific team at home. I think uh, they've got a a veteran in Rick Bonus um, behind the bench. I like the Winnipeg Jets a lot. I still will pick Colorado to win that division, but I think the Jets have a legit chance. Thanks to Denny Potvin uh, for coming on the podcast today. That was a lot of fun. Great job out of Anthony Pusick getting that all set and ready. I'll be at the Garden tonight for Rangers Senators. Don, put me on the spot. Do it. We don't have ice picks today on the show, I've been told. Only three games tonight. Do you like any of them? Well, you know what? That's a great great call. I'm two for my last three. I won last night with Tampa. I got screwed on that Edmonton game on Friday. They Two times they had a three-goal lead, then they lost it. They got a two-goal lead back, gave up a late, meaningless goal from Domi. I would have made the pick me. again if I were you. I would, I would make the pick again, yes. Yeah. So the one I got wrong really was right. Right, okay, um, so three and so, And before that, I went with Washington on the money line in Vancouver, and I got that. So let's take a look at the games tonight. As you mentioned, there's only three. I'm not going to pick the Ranger game because I'm calling it. Um, Nashville is in the second of back-to-backs. Give me, give me the odds on... Uh, the Islanders on the money line. Minus 165. Not minus ball and a half is plus 162. But we just saw what they did to the Devils, as you eloquently pointed out a couple of minutes ago on the podcast. They did. and But they did have to play the second back-to-backs. Not that there's crazy travel. You do realize that the teams, when they come to play in the Metropolitan Division, they, they kind of just stay in Manhattan. So they've been in the same hotel. Um, not feeling that game. Um, what's um, the money line on the Winnipeg Jets? They are minus 205. Minus a goal and a half is plus 122. We're not oh, getting well, a lot of value tonight, Don. Not a lot of value tonight, but you do get a plus 122. I just talked up the Winnipeg Jets. Take the Winnipeg Jets to cover the goal and a half at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have really struggled. Blue Jackets having just a miserable season, and they've only won once on the road so far this year. So go with the Winnipeg Jets on the money line. Oh, excuse me, on the uh, the Puck plus uh, goal, the minus goal and a half at plus 122. That's what we're going to go with. So I got an ice pick. I got a Denny Potvin interview. He told a great story. Ah, oh, a lot of fun. We will talk to you again on Monday. Hopefully we'll be able to get EJ on. Uh, enjoy your weekend. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.